This is an ABC podcast. I'm not going to take any lectures from these people when it comes to political advertising. Absolutely none. As, as I said to you before, I've gone into great detail uh, on numerous occasions about an incident that occurred now 10 years ago, and I've got nothing further to say. We're right to go. I'm Richard Willingham, the ABC's state political reporter here in Victoria. And I'm Raf Epstein, the host of Drive on ABC Radio Melbourne. Welcome to Matters of State, your weekly look behind the curtain of the Victorian election campaign in 2022. The writs have been issued, we're in caretaker mode, the campaign is underway and the heat is on. This is finals footy for political nerds. It's fun, isn't it, Rich? Um, we've had liberal promises to do things like build new and better freeways and new buses. Labor's promising to make V-line fares the same as fares in Melbourne. They're going to do more, buy new machines that go bing for hospitals. But we also had the first hissy fit of the election campaign. The Labor Party showed up with a fake fire engine and fake hospital beds. Now they criticise other people. Look, I'm not going to take any lectures from these people when it comes to political advertising. Absolutely none. I mean, these people have do, do the same kind of tricks and then attack everyone else. I'm just not interested in that. We've also had the first heckle of the campaign towards the Premier. OK. We're right to go. <laughs> if you missed that, you're a disgrace before the signature Dan Andrews. Are we right to go? So everything stepped up on Wednesday, the heat, the pace of politics, everything the Premier says, everything the opposition leader says is magnified and amplified. Everything matters now. And you could feel on the campaign bus, you could feel that with Matthew Guy, that the pressure, they feel the pressure more too. There's more journalists there, there's more people paying attention. It really is. It's that extra speed, it's that extra pressure. There is a reason they call campaigns the X-ray of the soul of political leaders. Two different sides under pressure. If we can just examine the Premier under pressure first, Dan Andrews and his wife Kath were involved in an accident between their vehicle and a bike. It's when Dan Andrews was opposition leader. He was not driving. His wife was driving. This is like the zombie story of Dan Nine Andrews. Nine years ago. Life. Nine years ago. It's come up in various ways. The police have had a look at it. The corruption watchdog IBAC has had a look at it. But I want to look at the way our leaders deal with pressure. Dan Andrews was asked every question under the sun. What do you think of the timing? Why do people remember things differently? Is he concerned about legal action? Do we need to know more? Do we need more documents? Does it need more investigation? Is he upset with the story? What is he hiding? What is he hiding? Is he lacking sympathy if he just keeps giving robotic answers? And here was his very controlled but maybe a little bit tetchy, just a little bit tetchy, repeated answer. I've answered your question about 15 times and I, the answer won't change. I have no further comment to make about this matter. That's what he sounded like in the press conference and also several press conferences. Behind the scenes, there was a little bit more when this story broke in the Herald Sun on Thursday morning. The phone calls went round to, to chiefs of staff, to newsrooms, to really try and play this down as much as possible. They're saying it's, you know, it's not an issue that it's in the past, but there's certainly that... Given it's a campaign, there is that sensitivity about what damage this could do. Some people are describing this, the fact that this family is speaking now and that this story is broken is designed to damage the Premier. Time is interesting. Timing is interesting. Very interesting. But when you've got something to say during an election, people are a little bit more interested. There's more of a news value, if you like. I think the other thing about any story, you might hate the story, you might think it lacks legitimacy. It deprives that politician of oxygen on the day. I That's crucial. It's very hard to think about what 
Daniel Andrews was actually announcing the day that he had to answer these questions. The other person under pressure was Matthew Guy. How they do their maths matters. <laughs> most people don't follow this. Uh, most people don't care about this. Most voters don't take it into consideration. It's part of our job, though, to go, well, show us you're working. There's your maths answer. I want to see how you came to that number. The opposition have released some of their working, but not all of it. So I got a policy costing by the Department of Transport this week. So the government asked the, the department to go and look at what Matthew Guy's $2 fares would mean for the network and how much it was really going to cost. Matthew Guy says it would cost $1.3 billion. This costing said it would cost $2.2 billion over the same amount of time. So this comes out on day one of the election campaign and Matthew Guy is forced to defend it. Uh, I went to this press conference coincidentally with the opposition leader. So the whole point for the government of getting the department to cost this is to blow up the best cut-through policy that Matthew Guy has. Matthew Guy hasn't released the workings, the modelling behind those $2 fares, and I asked Matthew Guy about that. Again, you may not accept this, but last time our figures added up, they did the election before, and they will this election. It's not about what we accept, it's just... Can I just finish, please? Question. Can I just... Can I just finish, please? And our figures will be released before the election like you'd expect. They're not going to be released today, Raf. They're not. Two things to say about that. He is quick to anger. Uh, I noticed that the, the only pay TV station that you have to pay to watch 24-hour news, they replayed big chunks of that press conference the next day because he got angry. At, at their journalist too, at Julia. 100% Julia Bradley um, asked him lots of questions. He lets people get under his collar. There's complete contrast. Dan Andrews was bombarded with questions. He didn't enjoy it. But can I just, I really want to say one thing about the tremendous inappropriateness of getting a state government department to cost the opposition's policies. The reason governments 100%. shouldn't be costing opposition policies is that the opposition don't have that ammunition. They don't have those resources. They can't say, here's a whole tribe of public servants that costed your policy and your policy is wrong. It's a huge disadvantage and also politicises the public service. And that was the response from the opposition, and rightly so. And that, that made the government pretty angry. And they say, well, no, it's in our right to do that because we need to know what the opposition policy is so in case we want to, to match it. They have sort of matched it, Raf. Wherever it might be, that parity, that fairness, making sure that the fares we charge are fair... That is critically important, and that's exactly what we are delivering with new trains, more services. So they say imitation is the best form of flattery. Labor really has picked up on the Liberal Party's push to make public transport cheaper. Flat fares for everyone on V-Line now. It does show that the government's a little bit under pressure about public transport fares, but this is about cost of living, and there's been some big policies this week about cost of living. I am worried, though, it becomes like the federal election campaign where we talk about the things that we think are attractive and they are in the short term attractive, but we're not answering questions. Cutting fares doesn't improve services. Cutting fares doesn't At mean all. you get more buses. There are lots of good ideas out there. And if you, were, if you assume that neither Labor nor Liberal had ever run in this state, they've both got some good ideas. Matthew Guy, you know, uh, some free school lunches, some new bus routes, uh, freezing your water bill, all of those ideas, they are good ideas as far as they go. But even the policy announced, he announced about a $500 voucher that you can go and use at a private dentist, that is a good idea 
as far as it goes. But that's not necessarily going to fix the huge it's, problems we have. When it's a sugar hit, I think the um, yeah. on the on the on the dental stuff, people are saying, okay, this won't, this won't buy you actually much. It might it might help a little bit, but it's well, it doesn't it's, help it's with strong. the big procedures. It, exactly, and it, it does come back to what happened on Monday at the start of the week. Is we saw the financial figures for the we saw the state of the budget, and debt is huge, deficit is big. Now, this was all very happened at the same time that Daniel Andrews announcing a Vic, Visit Victoria was sponsoring netball. So it was, look over here, we're giving $15 million to netball, we're saving netball Australia from Gina Reinhart, that's the message, right? And at the same time, the budget, the state of the budget for both sides of politics is pretty dire. Money trouble comes in twos. There's the costings for your campaign and then there is actually paying for your campaign. So I want to know where the political parties get their money. To take us through it is Catherine Williams from the Centre for Public Integrity. Catherine, welcome to Matters of State. Thanks so much for having me. Say I'm running for election for the Melbourne Demons Real Deal Party. How much would the average candidate drop on an election campaign? That is a really great question and the answer is that in Victoria it could be any amount because that amount is uncapped. So we don't know. Depends. As much as they can raise, which is what fuels this donations arms race. So they don't have to tell us? No. No, (laughs) they don't have to tell us. Uh, I really like the Melbourne Demons Real Deal Party and I want to chip in and help Rich. Can I give him all my money? You can't give him all your money, no. Unfortunately, you can't support the Melbourne Demons Real Deal Party in that way. You can only give a donation, well, or multiple donations reaching a maximum of $4,320 over a four-year period. So grand total I can give to the Melbourne Demons Real Deal Party is a bit over four grand. Absolutely That's right. it. That's it. That's it. That's all. So my Melbourne Demons Real Deal Party has now got 500 members. Congratulations, Richard. Well done Thank to you. you. Does that mean we're a registered political party and does that mean that I can get more donations from my party? Are we assuming you've registered as a political party? Yeah, because yep. yep. I got the 500 signatures. Yep. VEC signed off and said, you are, your real deal is the real deal. Does that entitle me to more donations? Uh, look, there are, adva- there are advantages to being a party. There's a, now, are we assuming he's a new party? Yes. That's harder. In, in, currently <laughs> in Victoria, the real advantages are for the established parties, not for the new parties. That's for sure. So give us the good oil. What, what, what advantages do they have? The really substantial advantage that the Labor Party, the Liberal Party and the National Party have in this state is is something called a nominated entity. Each of them has a nominated entity. And this is a a fun fact of the Victorian Electoral Act. It exists only in Victoria, only in Victoria. And as far as I can tell, there's no rational justification for its existence. And what it is, (laughs) (laughs) what it is, is this. A registered political party under the Electoral Act is able to nominate one entity and the entity has to meet certain eligibility criteria, like it has to be an entity that is controlled by the party within the definition of the Corporations Act and it has to be an entity that was established for the sole benefit of the party. But if it meets those criteria and it can be a nominated entity, then payments between that entity and the party do not count as political donations. Do payments into that entity meet the same donation cap rules or can somebody donate directly to the party? Can I give 200 grand to the nominated entity? No, no, you can't. You can't go and do that. So payments into the entity by anyone other than the party are still subject to the same cap rules. 
But how the reason that this is a real advantage for the established parties is a result of the way in which those nominated entities came about. So the easiest nominated entity to talk about is the Cormac Foundation, which is the Liberal Party's nominated entity here. And the Cormac Foundation was established in the late 80s with the proceeds of the sale of a radio station, something I think around the scale of $15 million. And it was established by senior Liberals as an investment um, entity. And we know that around 2018, it was reported as being worth close to $70 million. And also in 2018, it was reported that the Cormac Foundation was going to give the Liberal Party in Victoria $3 million towards its 2022 state election campaign. $3 million. $3 million. So it's like a trust that fund. Was reported. That's right. Right. So generating this constant income that doesn't count as a political donation. So it doesn't really matter that no one else can donate uncapped amounts into these funds because they're generating income all the time, really substantial yes. So it's not a level playing field. The, it's not. The, the legacy parties have can access their legacy money, essentially. Absolutely. That's that's exactly right. And that is why, even though technically other minor, minor parties in Victoria, because they're registered parties, could access the nominated entity exemption if they wanted to. So the Greens could set up a trust fund if they wanted to. If they wanted to, if they saw it as of benefit to them. But the fact they haven't done it suggests that there's there's no benefit that they can have from it. And certainly independents can't access this benefit because they're not parties. So when they set these laws up, essentially it's rigged for the major parties. It is uh, difficult to draw any conclusion other than that. (laughs) What are the trust funds that the other big parties have, that Labor and the Nats? Okay, so the Labor parties, the name of theirs is the Labor Services and Holdings Trust. Very boring name. Well, That's a boring sounds name. Sounds a little bit dodgy, though. <laughs> <laughs> Holdings and... Right, okay. <laughs> but, but, but then we've got, a, we've got a better name in the National Parties one, which is Pillywinks. 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 Why on earth is it called Pillywinks? I Pillywinks. wish I could tell you. Um, we had to look this up. Uh, Pillywinks is, an in- it is literally an instrument of torture from the medieval or even further back that is used to squeeze people's fingers. So it's like a thumbscrew. I have asked some of the Nats, which you've asked, right, and others on this team have asked. We have no idea why it's called the Pillywinks. A lot of of Nats laugh when you ask them. They say, don't know, it's just always been that way. So it's definitely a a legacy name. Wow. Maybe it's the, I, I know. You, you're screwing money out of your donors, right? Ah, so it's like go. putting the thumbs that's or the fingers line. into the finger press and <laughs> boom, that's where they got the name that from. Or Somewhere maybe, in the Nats. Or maybe because, yeah, donations can be so painful. Ah, very good. C- can we just examine, though, who's got an advantage and who doesn't have an advantage? Mm. So clearly Labor, Liberal and the National Parties, they have the, they've got a trust fund. They can mm-hmm. draw on it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'd tell us, oh, actually, it's much harder than you think. Um, is there an advantage as well if you're the Labor Party... There's a whole host of unions that pay, they essentially pay membership fees that are called affiliation fees. Is that an advantage for the Labor Party? Can the unions still give that money to them? It's, it's a distinct advantage for the Labor Party because, again, one of the features of Victorian electoral uh, law is that affiliation fees are not captured by the definition of political donation. Not a donation. Not a donation. So, again, this goes back to when they set the system up, it, it's rigged for the big players. It's, again, very difficult to draw any other conclusion. 
I remember when they these these laws were introduced a couple of years ago. Four, it was introduced under ago. the current state current, Labor government. This, this yeah. is this is from the Andrews government essentially. That that was one of the biggest criticisms, was that Labor was going to have this special carve out essentially for their unions, and you know, the opposition jumped up and down about it. But essentially, the laws got through, hmm. That's um, right. and it's it, it's a really interesting. You know that the, you've heard heard this government talk about. You know, these are the toughest donation laws in the country. It's the well, they are in a lot of senses. But <laughs> but when we you know burrow down in the weeds with Catherine yeah. here. It, it does paint a different picture, and it's something that's really worth looking at. Catherine, that's would right. you get rid of the, uh, these nominated enti- entities from Pillywinks to the Cormac Foundation? If I put you in charge of donation law for a day, would you get rid of them? How would, how would you change the rules? I would strike that exemption right out of the Electoral Act. So you just couldn't get money from that if you were a political you wouldn't party? wouldn't be able. You'd do, or, you, or you could, but it would be subject to caps. Ah, as in the it. same way as every other payment is, right. it too should be subject to caps. So we've talked about... The Nationals Party, the Labor Party, the Liberal Party, the Real Deal, Melbourne Demons Party. But let's put the parties aside because this election we've got lots of independents running as, as teal independents, as suburban independents, as country independents. Mm. We spoke to one of them, Kate Lardner, who's the independent candidate for Mornington. When it comes down to the uh, donations, it's difficult because the parties are allowed to spend as much as they want on a campaign, whereas the independents, they're limited to individual donors with a cap of 4,230. I think in that respect, it is an unlevel playing field. So Catherine, in, in relation to that, firstly, is she right? And two, how much of a disadvantage are independents? The disadvantage is pretty substantial in my view. So while independents, we saw at the federal level that they're really good at going out and drumming up grassroots support. How many people are there in the community who can and are prepared to pay the maximum donation amount, this, you know, almost $4,500 amount to an independent campaign? Will there be that many people who are able to and who want to do it? And even if they get... A, you know, a number of people who are able to do that. If we, if it's accurate, and again, it's just from a 2018 report, but if it's accurate that the Cormac Foundation was going to give the Liberal Party $3 million towards its Victorian election campaign, an independent candidate would have to get close to, I think, what, 700 donations at the maximum amount before it was equaling just the payment from the nominated entity. So on that basis, they're at a pretty <coughs> substantial disadvantage. And another really important thing to bear in mind, talking about donations caps and the impact on independence is that out of all the Australian jurisdictions that have donations caps, Victoria is the only one that doesn't have electoral expenditure caps. So the independents are in this situation. So what, what does that mean? What, what that means is that the major parties in Victoria can spend as much as they can possibly raise on their election campaigns. And when you've got cap donation system where the independents are really disadvantaged by the, the exemptions that exist that benefit the major parties, they're also then at a disadvantage when it comes to who can access voters the most, the most frequently with the resources that they raise. Does that mean that the money coming in is capped but the money going out is not? Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly So the, the system is entrenched to favour the incumbents? That is exactly right. That is an unholy mess to try and untangle these laws. Uh, Catherine, before you go, what's your postscript for the podcast? My postscript for this podcast is... When will we see any reform, given that this is so clearly in the interests of the major parties? Um, <laughs> Hard to top that, Raf. Uh, look, my, my postscript for the podcast, I keep on introducing that th- everything comes in twos 
This election is the tale of two Liberal leaders. There is, of course, Matthew Guy, who is leading the Liberal Party now, if, as many even in his own party expect, he loses this election. The other leader inside the Liberal Party is clearly John Pizzuto, who wants to try to once again become the MP for the seat of Hawthorne. And my other, uh, it all happens in twos, there are two ghosts of Christmas past in this election. One of them is Adem Somurek, the former Labor Minister, former Labor MP in the Upper House, uh, Liberal, ex-Liberal, I guess now, Tim Smith. Both parties are worried if those ghosts of Christmas past might come back to haunt them before polling day. My postscript for the podcast is to debate. Are we going to see our leaders actually talk, go head-to-head? They're very coordinated, individual, well-rehearsed media events at the moment. Will Victorians get to see our leaders go head-to-head on public TV, on the radio, so we can actually get a good look at how these two deal with issues rather than going one-on-one with, say, the press? Let's see how they go against each other, and I think it's really important for democracy. Catherine Williams from the Centre for Public Integrity, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for Matters of State this week. But we'll be back in your feeds next Friday. Subscribe now.